I emerged from Shabbat services at Romamu last week, heart full of joy and song. As soon as night fell and Shabbos went out, I turned my phone on, plugged back into the world, and immediately learned of the horrific massacre in Bangladesh and the death of a great gadol, Eli Wiesel, alava shalom. Woke up the next morning, like many of you, to news pouring out of Iraq, the most deadly attack since 2003. And then, here, the murders of Alton Sterling and Philando Castile, whose name means love. Two black men shot by police. And this morning, woke up to the news of five officers murdered by a sniper in the midst of a peaceful protest. I don't know about you, but I wanted to crawl back into bed and make like an ostrich and bury my head in the sand. To focus on a speck of dirt or my navel, anything but not, not the chaos, the hatred, the violence, the reality we live in. Instead of turning to my navel, I turn to Torah. <laughs> there is a motif, a scenic refrain and Sefer Bamidbar in the book of Numbers, when the divine presence descends upon the Mishkan, upon the tabernacle, Moshe and usually his brother Aaron with him suddenly falls and fully prostrates himself before God. Nifilat apayim, literally translated as Moshe does a face plant. The movement is spontaneous and swift and speaks of surrender, of devotion, of awe-filled humility. He dares not arise until the invitation extends from on high. When we begin to imagine the greatest leader, the prophet Moshe, falling on his face in self-abnegation before God, the sense of awe spills from the scroll. There's a time of year, right here in this space, where we imitate Moshe. On Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, in response to hearing the memory of the ineffable name in the great Aleinu, we bend, bow, and prostrate fully on the ground. You know, many communities stop doing this because it's, you know, it's like a little demonstrative or vulnerable or it makes proper people feel uncomfortable. But that's the beauty of this act, a radical physical response to a sense of radical amazement. But this week, in Parshat Korach, Moshe performs a disturbing variation on the divine face plant. You see, a charismatic religious extremist comes to town. Korach, you may have heard of him, a cousin of Moshe, in alliance with 250 politically discontented Reubenites, tries to hijack the entire Torah project and take down Moshe and Aaron. As they menacingly confront our leader, what does he do? Moshe falls on his face. Nifilat apayim, but not before God, not even before a monarch, before Korach and his mutinous band of rabble-rousers. But what is he doing? 
Before God, we get it. We bring prostrates in submission and deference in awe. But what is he doing prostrating before Korah who comes to destroy? Is he, is he gaining time before his response? Or is he expressing despair and surrender? Has Moshe given up? Or is this Moshe's way of avoiding the entire situation? Is he escaping from the gaze of his adversary? And you know, by the way, this is not the first time he's done this. Last week, in Parshat Shlach Lecha, the Torah's response to Apocalypse Now, the spies return from their reconnaissance mission, persuade all of the Israelites that we're grasshoppers and we must give up the dream of a promised land. The Israelites weep their eyes out, then hatch a plan to return to Egypt where things were, of course, much better. And as they chant, we won't go up, we won't go up into the land, Moshe goes down. He face plants. Vaipol Moshe ve'aharon al pnehem lifnei kol kahal adat b'nei Israel. Moshe and Aaron fall on their faces in front of the entire community of Israel. He can't face them. He's become powerless. And so he's relinquished his leadership. Interestingly, in that very same moment, Caleb and Joshua respond differently. They, they tear their garments, they do kriah, the act of mourning, of grieving, of physically rending the, the, the rip, the tear that's inside. And they don't avert their eyes. They stay in the scene and confront the chaos and fear of thousands of Israelites and they take a stand while Moshe and Aaron can only look up, only look up from the ground. This week, we lost a leader who stood, who walked in the footsteps of Caleb and Joshua, Elie Wiesel. After surviving unspeakable horrors of the Shoah, he tore his garment. He grieved for his family and his loved ones and for the loved ones of so many others. And then, without losing eye contact, he faced extremism and hatred everywhere. He would not avert his gaze from those he saw committing injustice. Once evil has power, he said, it is too late. And so he stood watch across countries and generations. He didn't close his eyes. He didn't sleep. Today, we don't have the luxury to fall on our face before hatred. As tempting as it may be to look in the other direction, as strong the pull of gravity, it's the summer. We want to be comfortable. We've even moved to Redeemer so we can be more comfortable. Yes, and each of us has a chiyuv. Each of us has an obligation to stay grounded and look injustice in the face. We must stand in the place of Joshua and Caleb, in the place of Elie Wiesel, in the place of the hundreds of peaceful protesters on the streets of Dallas and here in New York City to rip our garments, to grieve, to hold each other in a chizbuk, a strengthening embrace, 
and never to fall on our faces in surrender or avoidance. When we're back in Redeemer in three months, three months, then it will be the right moment. There, facing the open ark, in the midst of the great Alenu, together as a community, in the presence of divinity, however you call it, however you feel her, in awe and devotion, we will bend our knees, bow to the ground, and prostrate ourselves. Until that moment, may we all be blessed with the strength to face the suffering and injustice in our midst, to confront the hatred, and to stand tall.